0: The sermon will come from Luke seventeen twenty two to eighteen eight. This is the word of the Lord. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, and they will say to you, look there or look here, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Will the Son of Man be on his day? But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. There were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in his house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who was in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, There the vultures will gather. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth?
1: All right, kiddos, you're dismissed. Good morning. My name is Nathan. If I've not had a chance to meet you, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, and before I answer God in prayer, answering his word as it's been read in prayer. Let me uh, do what sometimes seems like a bit of a weekly occurrence in the life of Restoration Church in the summer and thank some outgoing members of Restoration Church. I don't see them. There they are. The walkers. So, uh, Ethan and Jenny, thank you for your work to this church. Uh, It is uh, with humble and sad hearts that we see you go, but we're so encouraged by what you're going to do. Uh, So we're grateful for the ways that you will go for the spread of the gospel in Uganda. And so a church is what it celebrates, friends. A church is what it celebrates. And we celebrate the sending out of people to go and work amongst the poor, amongst the forgotten people for the spread of the gospel. And Ethan and Jenny, that's what you're doing. And so while we're sad to see you go, we're grateful for the work that you're doing in Uganda. And we look forward to seeing how the Lord will use you there. Uh, But thank you for the ways that you've served our church through community group leadership for quite some time, for a long time. I don't know how many years, but it's been a long time. So we're grateful. We'll miss you guys. Let's, uh, let's respond to God. Let's answer God now from His Word. Let's now answer God in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this passage. We're grateful, God, for the ways that you reveal your plans to us. And while we don't sometimes understand all of them, God, we're grateful that you have spoken. And we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Teach us to be persistent in it, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, on October the 28th of the year 1787, the five foot three inch, 120 pound giant William Wilberforce wrote down in his diary, Uh, he wrote in his diary just two years after he had come to faith in Christ, he says, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. And his fight against that slave trade cost him sleep, cost him money, cost him friends, cost him health and almost cost him his life. But some 20 years later, two decades, two decades very long decades after fighting against it de- or fighting for the defeat of the slave trade year after tireless year at 4 a.m. in the morning after 10 hours of debate on february the 23rd 1807 and the house of commons passed a bill that terminated the slave trade for the entire british empire and it was at that moment that the house of commons didn't stand and gave a standing ovation to William Wilberforce there at 4 a.m. in the morning. And as they did, William Wilberforce did not stand, but he remained seated and he wept. He wept. Why did he weep in that moment? Well, he wept because he had labored hard and he had suffered long to see one great justice take down one great injustice. And he was overwhelmed By thankfulness, by the grace of God, he was one of the fortunate ones that was able to see it come to pass. And of course, I can't count it, but the Lord's providence that he saw the abolition of slavery in general throughout the the entire British Empire and died just a week later in 1833. He's one of the fortunate ones that was able to work hard and labor hard and persist, persevere, in taking down one great injustice by the grace of God. He persevered and he was able to enjoy the fruits of And this, friends, is a good introduction to us this morning as we discuss persevering or persistent prayer. Wilberforce almost lost his life as he fought this trade, but he never gave in. And why not? Because he was convinced that the trade was wrong, that it was unjust. He believed that it lied about God. He believed that it lied about his gospel. And he believed that it was bad for his neighbors in his nation of England. And so he persisted, no matter how difficult it was, to continue to fight against the slave trade. He believed that it lied about God and his gospel. And because of that, he had faith in the justice of God that caused him to persevere and see it come to an end. And because of that, he was able, one of the fortunate ones, to see the reward of it all. And this, friends, is the uh, the lesson that we will learn this morning as we continue our short series in prayer. What we will see this morning is that persistent prayer persists because it believes God will perform His promises. Persistent prayer persists because it believes God will perform His promises. And so as you have heard it read, we will be in Luke chapter 18. We're going to look back at chapter 17 in a bit. But if you look down there in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, you see there our Lord Jesus tells a parable so that the disciples, so that we may always pray and not lose heart he tells this prayer so that we would persist in prayer that we wouldn't lose heart and jesus said this friends because he knew we would need to hear it he knew that we would need to hear it he knew that we would need to hear it because he knew that we could grow weary in prayer and stop praying if that was not the case if that was not a concern of his he was not he would not have told this parable but He was concerned about our not persisting in prayer. Therefore, He tells us this prayer. And He does tell it because He wants us to not lose heart in praying that we would always pray. Now, you should know that parables are tricky passages to interpret. Right? There are people throughout all of history that have gone left ways and sideways and up and down, deviating from the point of the passage by focusing on one or two or three colors in a painting instead of the painting in its entirety. And that's how you interpret parables there's one idea that's trying to be communicated so that we would understand it and so that's what we have to do this morning we got to pay attention to the whole of the painting we have to see the singular point of the parable and not try and draw conclusions from the implications of this or that and that singular point is as we've already said we must persist in prayer because we believe that god will perform his promises that's the fuel in other words for persistent prayer that god's going to perform his promises Now, in this parable in Luke 18, Jesus employs what might call might be called a lesser to greater line of argumentation, a lesser to greater. There are two characters in this parable. Uh, There's the judge and then there's the widowed woman. Uh, Jesus describes that judge there in verse six of chapter 18 as an unrighteous judge. We can look down at verses two and four and we see Jesus tells us that he is unrighteous because he neither feared God nor man. Neither fear God nor man. And then we have the widowed woman, who, on the other hand, she pleads for justice against her adversary. Now, we don't know the specifics, uh, but we can imagine a widowed woman not being given much attention in any court at this time, but especially in the court of an unjust judge. And yet this widowed woman was persistent. We see in verse 3 that she keeps coming. Verse 5. The judge is saying that she's, coming, she's continually coming. She's pleading her unjust treatment by her adversary. And given the kind of character that the judge is, we are not surprised that, she, that he, that judge, refuses the woman's plea. And yet in verse 5, justice is finally served to the cause of the widowed woman and her adversary because, as the judge says, she keeps bothering me. And herein is Jesus' point. Not that we need to bother God. That's not the idea. What we see here is uh, what we find is Jesus is teaching us that we need to be persistent in the same way that the widow is persistent. Uh, Jesus is not teaching us that God in some way can be bothered. God is patient. He is kind. He loves to hear from his people time and again. He operates outside of time. He is from infinity to infinity. And so therefore, he cannot be bothered since he is patient and steadfast love. But Jesus's point here is this, that if an unjust judge can be persistently affected to the point of bringing justice by persistence, How much more will the God of justice speedily answer the persistent pleas of his elect? That's what he's saying. If a lesser unjust judge can be brought to bring about justice, how much more will the perfectly patient, perfectly just God answer the persistent pleas of his elect, of his people? Verses 7 and 8 of chapter 18 will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to Him day and night. There's the persistence. I tell you, He will speedily give justice. I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. So if a lesser, unjust judge can bring justice by persistence, then we can trust that the persistent prayers of God's elect will be speedily answered because God is a perfectly just God. Jesus told this parable, friends, so that we might always pray And not lose heart. That we would be persistent in prayer. And we don't lose heart in prayer. Because we trust the God of justice. He's going to hear our prayers. And he's going to perform them. In keeping with his promises. And so beloved. Don't give up in praying. Be persistent in praying. God will not delay in answering your prayers. And you can believe that because of who he is. And because of who you are, Christian, in light of His grace. Who He has made you to believe, to be. And so persist in prayer for justice, because your God is the God of justice. And He made you to be His own. He made you to be His own. And through you and through your prayers, He is going to make the world right again. Through you, God, we learn, is reconciling the world to Himself. And so you must, pleading this promise that God is just, that He speedily answers those prayers for justice, you can, with that promise, be fueled on to continue on and persistently praying that God would answer those prayers for justice. And as I say that, I want you to notice that word justice in the passage. In the parable itself, or in this passage as a whole, you see that it's used four times that word justice, four times as a kind of frame or the plea to the pleas or the prayers. And that's important to note because Jesus is not promising to quickly answer all of our persistent prayers that operate outside of matters of justice. In other words, we cannot plead this verse uh, to God in order to have him speedily answer our prayers for a spouse for a house or any other individual preference. That's not the promise that's being made here. We have no promise that He's going to speedily answer my prayers for a good parking place, right? He's not going to speedily answer my prayers for some other individual preference. We don't have that kind of a promise. Uh, Now, what do we do with those prayers that go unanswered then uh, as it relates to those individual things? Well, that's what we're going to answer next week. So when we talk about unanswered prayers... Uh, But we have to recognize he's talking about matters of justice. We have no promises that God is going to speedily answer prayers that are outside matters of justice. And that, of course, does not mean, hear me, listen, don't lose sight of this. That does not mean that you should not pray for those things. You should. God loves you. He's for you. He's glad to hear from you. He wants you to bring those things to him, all things to him. He's glad to hear you pray for those kinds of things. But when it comes to believing the promises of God to not delay in answering persistent prayers by His elect, we need to see Jesus is emphasizing persistent prayers for justice. Now, what, is, what does Jesus mean by justice here? Well, very simply, He means to avenge a wrong, to take down that which is wrong in the eyes of God, bring up that which is right, to pay for wrongdoing, to uphold that which is right. Again, take down what is wrong in the eyes of God in keeping with his character. Bring up that which is right. And so uh, right and wrong, friends, we need to recognize this in our day. This is really important. We need to recognize that right and wrong fits within the fabric of our world. No, ha- no matter how hard we try to get away from it, no matter how hard we try and build a world on this notion of relative truth where right and wrong is reduced to individual preferences, we cannot get away from a universal morality. Whether, the, whether that morality is the call for civil rights or murder or extortion or rape, we cannot deny that we are moral beings that all long for justice in the world. We all long for rightness, for righteousness. Everyone on planet earth longs for a better world. And friends, justice is what is behind that longing because justice is rightness or righteousness. That is to say, things as they should be. We all want that. We all want that. So not individual preferences. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Not self-authentication. No, but things that fit the character of the God that made the world to reflect his glory. That reality is behind all of our evaluations of rightness and wrongness. And justice is the thing that we need to make it all right again. And so, therefore, friend, if you are here this morning, you're not a Christian, and you want to see justice come into the world on a particular issue, whatever that is, if that's you, you should want justice. You should fight for justice. You should do something about it. But recognize, friend, that the call for justice demands a lawgiver. The call for justice demands a lawgiver. And so, the question that I would have to you is do your desires for justice Fit the lawgiver's character, the just judge. And also, know your calls for justice fit more squarely inside of a Christian worldview than it does a secular worldview, because a secular worldview denies universal truth. We all want justice in some form or fashion, and here Jesus Christ promises elect that if they persistently pray to see it come about, he's going to answer it that's straight from the scriptures but that promise you need to recognize from this passage is not given to those that are not in the family of god this promise is given to those that are called the elect god's people it is given to those of us who by the lord's grace listen not by our own merit not by our good deeds deeds but by the lord's grace that we have come to believe that jesus christ is lord we have a promise in this passage we have an exhortation to stay at praying to keep on not growing weary in praying for justice to see righteousness come to the earth god will answer those persistent prayers for such things and he will answer them speedily he says and so therefore beloved on the basis of this promise devote yourself to persistently going to your heavenly father who loves you And plead with Him as the widow does here to bring about justice to the injustices of our world in the lives of those around us for the glory of God. Pray for those things. Plead for those things regularly knowing this promise is here. Plead for things. Pray for things like uh, plead with God to destroy systematic segregation. Plead with God in prayer to destroy the injustices to women and the unborn. Plead with God in prayer to destroy the lies of sexual liberty. Plead with God in prayer to destroy evil regimes that cause poverty in places like Venezuela and North Korea. Plead with God in prayer to destroy the regimes that give rise to the persecution of our brothers and sisters in the faith. Ask that God would deal with those. And plead with Him not only to take down those injustices, but plead with Him also, just as importantly, that justice would rise up. Which is to say, bring about rightness in those situations. So instead of systematic segregation that exists in our, amongst the African Americans and the Hispanics and the Asian communities of our nation, plead that God would bring about equal treatment, equal opportunities in those places. Plead with God that instead of the injustices to women and the unborn, plead for equal treatment and for safety. Instead of sexual liberty, plead for sexual fidelity. Instead of evil regimes, plead for regimes that bless and not take from their people. Instead of persecution, plead for religious liberty, where, as Paul advises Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, that we as Christians may live a peaceful peaceful and quiet life. Plead for things such like that. And, and know, beloved, that insofar as you persist in pleading with your Heavenly Father for the sake of His glory, not yours, His glory in these things, He gladly hears you and he will speedily answer you so let this promise be the fuel of those persevering prayers you can be sure he's promised to bring these things about jesus tells us that he will not delay so don't lose heart persistently pray believing that god will make this world right no one outside of his elect can go to sleep every night believing and resting in that promise except you beloved you're the only ones Everyone that fights for justice outside of the economy of God's kingdom, they don't have that kind of promise. They don't know if it will ever come about, but you do. So let that fuel you in your persistent prayers. And, And let me encourage you to think about this thought for a moment. Imagine what would happen if we as a church gave ourselves right here in northwest D.C., Ward 3, if we gave ourselves to persistently praying and then living out those prayers by seeking justice here. What would happen if we did this for two, for five, for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years? What would happen if we give ourselves to this right here in our own city, not even outside of Ward 3, in all of the wards of Washington, D.C.? What if we parted together and persistently prayed and worked this stuff out for decades upon decades? What might happen? What might happen? Or if you have to leave, if for whatever reason, God is calling you to other places Maybe instead of moving around every two or three years and moving churches every two or three years, maybe you stay wherever it is you're going and you stay there for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years praying that God would see justice in that community that you live in. Working through the local church for the glory of Christ and the good of your neighbor. Imagine what might happen if you partner together instead of working individually. We work together as a church in our communities long-term persistently living and persistently praying and persistently working for the glory of Christ in this neighborhood or whatever neighborhood you go on to live for. Work against the notion of moving around all the time and try to persist in a community. See what might happen. The reality is, friends, I don't know that I will be here next week or next year or next five years from now. But the reality is my wife, And Joey and his wife, our plan is to persist in this community as long as I'm breathing. My plan is to die in this city and pastor this church to see what might happen, what might we do. We've already seen so many things in the nine years we've been here. Imagine if we did so much more, persistently giving ourselves to God in prayer and to one another in the good of our neighbors for the glory of Christ. Maybe you might consider partnering with us Long term. I know some of you already have. Thank God for that. So don't lose heart. But many of you, though, maybe most of you, I trust, are believing me. When I say that we should pray because God's going to answer our prayers. But I recognize that some of you right now are getting hung up on a couple words. You're getting hung up on that word speedily. You're getting hung up on, that words, on those words, not delaying. God's not going to delay to answer those prayers. You can believe that God hears prayers. You can believe that God will answer them. But you're having trouble believing that He will answer persistent prayers speedily. Valid question. So let's go back and grab the context of this parable. That's going to be key in answering that notion of speed and not delaying. By the way, let me just say this at the front end. Those words not delay in every other portion of the Bible. It's translated patience. That helps us, I think, understand what Jesus is saying there. But let's go back. Let's grab the context of this parable. When it comes to the understanding of message, that when it comes to interpreting the Bible, you guys should know this. Those of you that have been around for a little while, the number one rule in interpreting the Bible is Number one rule is the same rule that we see in real estate. What is it? You should all know this. Location, location, location. Or another way of saying this, context, context, context. Luke 18, friends, is not just some random parable that Luke just sort of threw in. It's building off of what comes before it in Luke 17. So again, go back and look at Luke 17. If you look back up above verse 20... If your Bible has superscript sort of words, it probably says something like the coming of the kingdom. So those superscripts are not part of God's infallible word, but uh, sometimes sometimes they're helpful. I think in this case, that's the case. So right before the parable in chapter 18, Jesus is teaching about his return. All right, you heard Cynthia when she read that portion of the passage and you'll look down there. Chapter 17, look at verse 30. Jesus is speaking there and he says, so will, so will it be on the day when the son of man is revealed? This seems to be a particular day. So it will be on the day when the son of man is revealed. And this day comes after what Jesus talks about in verse 25 in chapter 17, when he says he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation that he's speaking to. And that right there, verse 25, of course, is clearly talking about the cross. And so there's the cross, verse 25. Then there's this day when Jesus, the Son of Man, returns and is revealed. That's verse 30. And we see, by the way, in verse 31, that the day that he is revealed is going to be quick. You see that? He says there in verse 31, don't, if you're on top of a house, if you're on the roof, right, watching the July Forks, whatever, and you see Jesus comes back, don't even bother trying to go to the elevator. Like, it's going to be that fast. And so we need to ask the question, what happens between verse 25 and the cross and the return where Christ is revealed in verse 30? What happens? And by the way, I think these verses right here are going to help us understand the speedily, the not delaying and answering prayers. What happens between the cross 25 and Jesus, the day Jesus is returned? Well, our answer in terms of why we should recognize speedily as quickly is not something that we should not trust, but it be something we should stru- trust is found in verses 26 to 29. Look again there at verse 26 to 29 of chapter 17. They tell us what to expect between the cross and the return of Christ. Jesus in those passages, 26 to 29, he reminds us of two historical uh, times in the life of God's people. Two very significant ones. The days before the flood and the day before the destruction of Sodom. And Jesus says the same thing about both of those periods. In verse 27, he says, they were eating and drinking and marrying until the day when Noah entered the ark. There's justice, the day he came in. And then referencing Sodom in verses 28 and 29, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur reigned. There's the justice. So evil and wickedness Uh, are marking those generations, then suddenly, justice came in. So in other words, Jesus here, friends, is emphasizing the fact that there is a delay in the coming of justice. But when it comes, it comes quickly. That's what he's emphasizing. The kingdom will come in, but it will go unrecognized until the day Jesus is fully revealed in his return. Days go by when all the evildoers are seeming to have their way. Injustice seems to be ruling. No one seems to care much for the justice of God as much as they do the justice of hedonism. Just doing whatever they want to do. Doing as they please. In fact, Jesus even says to the disciples, look back up in verse 22 of 17, you're going to desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. But, Jesus assures us, that as it came in in Noah's day and as it came in Lot's day, justice did come And it came quickly. And it's on the heels of this that Jesus tells us this parable about persistent prayer. It might be helpful if we could just stick the word therefore in uh, the word therefore in chapter 18, verse one, we might better understand what Jesus means in quickly answering the persistent prayers of the elect. He has already prepared us for a delay where there will be a world like it was before the flood, where there will be a world like it was before the destruction of Sodom where injustices are going on day after day, where the love of man and his ways are thriving, while the love of God and his ways seem to be absent. And yet, look back up in verse 21. I didn't read this. but You'll notice in verse 21, even though all these unjust things are pervasive, the kingdom is still there. Verse 21 tells us that. In other words, the seeds are there. Just as a tulip bulbs will thrive in the midst of winter, below the surface where you can't see it, when spring comes, boom, they bust forth, suddenly bursting forth. So in the same way, Christ will birth forth and return and justice will be served to the unjust. Though you cannot see it at the moment, uh, now Christ will burst forth in a moment's notice, knowing the seeds of the kingdom are already there. Quickly will it come, and you will not be able to prepare for it once it comes. And so, beloved, these are the days of Noah that we live in. You and I. These are the days of Lot that we live in. People are eating and drinking. Buying and selling. Paying little regard for the justice of God. Feeling safe in their injustices. Passing or ignoring laws. And yet, in the blink of an eye, their injustices will get exposed. And they will be taken down. They will be thwarted as Christ will bring heaven to earth and he will restore all things to himself. And the things that he will restore will be in keeping with his character as revealed in his word. And then on that day, the foolish wisdom of the world will be exposed in the light of Christ's glorious justice. And on that day, all of our persistent prayers for justice in the world, on that day, they will be satisfied. Every one of them. We will gather together in the New Jerusalem in the moments after the lightning strikes and we will say that He did it. Christ came and He brought justice to the earth and He did it not a moment too soon. We will agree on that day. We will be satisfied on that day when Christ returns and brings justice to the earth. We will be satisfied. You want to know why? Because He will be satisfied. And He is our great King. And He will bring about His justice. The Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7-10, to 10, he says, The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And anticipating the questions of delay, Peter then writes by the power of the Holy Spirit, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Note these next words. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Same language as Jesus. So friends, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises of justice. We just need to learn to see as He does. Our eyes are flawed. His are perfect. And when we look with His eyes, we see that a thousand years are as one day to Him. And so friends, if Jesus was crucified as He was 2,000 years ago, We've been praying for 48 hours. It's not been long at all. And the moment he comes, it will be so fast. We will agree with him that it is, in fact, quick. We may think that he delays in answering our persistent prayers, but he does not count slowness as we do. And so, beloved, put on your heavenly goggles, look to the eastern sky and pray continuously persevering in prayer, believing that this world will soon be made right. Justice will be served and it will come and it will come quickly. Injustices will get exposed. The glory of Christ will shine brightly on this earth and all will be well. You want to know why? Not only will He bring justice to the earth, we will finally get to see Him of whom our soul loves. Face to face. Finally. And so, He told us there would be a delay. He told us that He would come soon. Like a bolt of lightning, He will come and answer uh, quickly answer our persistent prayers for justice to be served on the earth as it is in heaven. But until then, beloved, we must learn to be patient and persistently plead with the Father to reveal the Son of Man so that the injustices that we see happening all around us would finally be revealed for what they are. Knowing we have have this promise for us that our King will come. We live in the days of Noah. We live in the days of Lot. We live in days when the Lord seems distant. When it seems as though He's slow to answer our prayers. And so we must call to mind Jesus' words here to not lose heart. To keep praying. Trusting that justice will come. When Christ returns and is revealed for who He is. And also another help for us to keep us praying persistently, would be to look at His people and their prayers. And how injustice came upon them and how they respond in prayer. We find, guys, that the the kind of injustices that we experience and the kind of slowness to wonder what's going on is embedded inside this entire book. In other words, our experiences fit what this is saying. We can recall to mind our brother David who prayed in Psalm 109, verse 4, who also lived in the kind of days of Noah and the days of Lot, when he said in 109, verse 4, in return for my love, they accuse me. But well, What does he do? But I give myself to prayer. Psalm 104, Psalm 109, verse 4. And then he goes on to say, we hear some more of that prayer in verse 21, later in Psalm 109, David says, deal on my behalf for your namesake. For the glory of Your name. This injustice that has come to me. Deal with this. Not ultimately for my justice, but for Yours. Or we can recall our sister Hannah. Who also was treated unjustly because she couldn't have a child. And she prayed. She persistently prayed. And we read her prayer in First Samuel chapter 2, verse 10. The conclusion of it, she says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. Confident woman in the face of injustice. We can consider the prayers of Job who suffered unjustly. We can consider the prayer of Hagar. That was sent out by the mean spirited Sarah. And as she's gone away, God sees her, sends angels to her, and Hagar responds or answers God and prays, The Lord sees, sees those injustices. Or as the author of Hebrews recounts the people of God in the midst of a time of suffering and injustice, he says so well, the author of Hebrews does in Hebrews chapter 10. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession than an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. That is to say, you have need of persistence. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Yes, beloved, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. We have need of endurance so that when we are done, When we are done praying, we may receive what has been promised to us. The heavenly city. Our lasting home. The place of righteousness. The place of justice. The place of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, this is not our home. You need to be reminded of that. We have a home in heaven. And that day is coming where justice will be served. And we will forever exist in that land of righteousness. Vengeance is the Lord's. It is not for us to repay, but instead it's what? It's for us to pray. To work out those prayers. For His glory. And He will repay soon enough. But until then, He has told us what is good. To do justice. To love kindness. To walk humbly with our God in persistent prayer. Pleading that more would come to see where love and justice meet. Pleading with God. That more would see where love and justice meet on a hill of Calvary some 2,000 years ago, where the greatest injustice in the history of the world happened. The innocent one, Christ the Lord, goes to a cross because he only testified to who he actually was. And there on the cross where Christ was crucified, a sinner's cross, he pays the price of our redemption. Therein satisfying the justice that should have come upon us that sin. He stands in the place of sinners that believe. Satisfying the justice that should come upon us. And then he then takes, for those of us that believe, he then takes, because of his work on the cross, his justice having been satisfied for us that believe, he can take his justice, his righteousness, and give it to us. Since the payment has been made. Glory to God in Christ. And so therefore, those of us that believe, we plead the merits of Christ. We do not plead our own good intentions. We plead the merits of Christ. And we go into Him in prayer, seeking our true reward, God Himself. We meet with Him day after tiring day in this hard world, asking Him to bring about the final chapter, where Jesus would be revealed for all that He is, That winter would cease. That spring would come. That the seeds of the kingdom that are here in the earth now. Would then sprout up and be seen. And shine in all of their glory. Declaring the praises of our king as he comes like a thief in the night. To rid the world of evil and establish a world of righteousness. The world that everyone wants but can never seem to find. It is coming soon beloved. So do not lose heart in prayer. Let this promise this great hope fuel you to persistently pray. He won't delay. And friend, for you that have been trusting in lesser things to see justice in the world, can I plead with you to trust Jesus? Trust Jesus, the true judge. The one that all of us will have to answer to. Plead Him. Go to Him to be found forgiven. And know what true justice is. He has come that you may have life and have it to the full. He has come, friends, so that you can persistently pray and enjoy the world made right in Christ. Come to Him in prayer. Find your reward. And for us that believe, that trust the Lord Jesus, that believe this promise, may we give ourselves to persistently praying. And as you do, as we do, let me leave you with the words of Isaiah who says to a beleaguered and beaten down people who are often void of hope, wondering where justice is, he says this in Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. And you, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. And as soon as he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Hallelujah. Hasten the day. And so, brothers and sisters, see prayer as answering God and the work of the spread of His glory. Seek Him in private prayer regularly so that your soul would be stilled in the midst of a hurting and suffering world. And thirdly, as we've learned today, keep at praying. Persistently pray that justice would come to the earth Christ would be revealed for all that he is, and we will get to enjoy him, and we will get to enjoy each other in the midst of a world made right. When he comes, may he find us praying, waiting, looking. And so let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, who is in heaven, hallow your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, you tell us that you are coming soon. So come. Come, please. Come soon. And when you bring about your justice in the new world and you bring On your righteousness and you take down the evil injustices exposing the world for all that is wrong and revealing in you all that is right. May you find us praying, hoping. Bring the heavenly city and help us to continue praying until that day comes. Thank you for the privilege of prayer and Christ who satisfies your justice, Father, so that we could be heard. We love you and we thank you that you first loved us. we pray in Jesus name. Amen.